As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. a great retirement, but not everyone gets to experience it. So how can you guarantee that you'll be one of the lucky ones? Well, the first thing is to get rid of the idea that only lucky people get to retire. Luck has nothing to do with it. Reaching your magic number is tough, and it requires determination and hard work. It also takes connecting with professionals who want to help you achieve your goals. I call these pros your dream team because they want to help you reach your dreams. You can't go on autopilot when it comes to your retirement saving and planning. You need to know what's in your portfolio and when to make adjustments. SmartVestor is an easy, free way to find investing professionals who focus on you. Just go to ChrisHogan360.com and click on Dream Team to see a list of investing professionals in your area who want to help you. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Connect with the SmartVestor Pro and start building your investing strategy today. For over 25 years, we've helped people beat debt and take control of their money through Financial Peace University. And guess what? None of that would have been possible without our Financial Peace University coordinators. Financial Peace University is our nine lesson proven plan to help people dump debt, master the budget, and build wealth. Not only can you help others take control of their money, but it's a great way for you to stay motivated on your journey too. The great thing is you don't have to be a money expert to lead. We'll do all the teaching and an advisor will walk with you every step of the way. If you've been looking for a way to stay gazelle intense or motivated on your journey to becoming debt-free, this is it. Join over 30,000 coordinators who have helped lead millions of Americans to financial peace. And guys, you can lead a class anywhere, including online. To get started, just text LEADER to 33789. Again, text LEADER to 33789. That's LEADER to 33789. Open for takeout and delivery, El Tapioc Mexican Food Restaurant in the Tri-City Center of Redlands is back. Their entire family is on hand to serve up their delicious burritos, machaca, chorizo, huevos rancheros, steak and eggs, just part of their mouth-watering great food. Since 1531, people have marveled at the miracle of El Tapioc, and now you can marvel at the great food the Lugo family has been serving up for over two decades, nestled quietly in the corner of the Tri-City Center shopping mall next to Burlington Coat Factory. Support them. They can't wait to serve you some of their delectable, authentic, south-of-the-border Mexican fare at great prices, served up with love. Support the area's best-loved Mexican food restaurant in these tough times. Order up a tasty meal on the phone for delivery or takeout, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call 909-307-0017. That's 909 909- 307-0017 or Google El Tapioc Redlands and treat yourself.
Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us if you want Viagra at the lowest prices. Never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-357-1583 today to save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 800-357-1583 to take your call now. Call 800-357-1583. That's 800-357-1583. Again, 800-357-1583. Your voice, your vote. In our democracy, they matter and make our community and our country stronger. So make yours count. Get registered, learn the issues, know the candidates, and vote by or on November 3rd. Visit vote411.org for registration and election information. This message is furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. I always hear from our clients who hired another firm that they wish they'd hired DNA Financial first. Don't have regrets about your IRS tax case. Just hire the best in the first place. One owed 150000 to the IRS and had spent thousands on another firm. We stopped the levies, negotiated a payment plan, and had their penalties forgiven. And while every case is different, we guarantee that we'll find your perfect resolution and get it done right. For a free consultation, call us at 866-201-0156. That's 866-201-0156. Then you can say, DNA, DNA did, did right, right by, by me. me. In these days, your dining out choices are limited. Want something mouth-watering good, tasty, convenient, but not the same old, same old? Najwa's fine Mediterranean cuisine in Loma Linda has affordable taste sensations and some of the best authentic Mediterranean cuisine around. Fresh, local, healthy, and handmade food made with love and passion in every bite. From delicious beef and chicken kebabs, pitas, excellent hummus, or one of their many other salad soups, shawarma bowls, or sandwiches, Najwa's is the place to go. Najwa's is currently open for takeout only, but keep them in mind for your special events coming up too. Najwa's Caterers, local delicious food all day long. Najwa's authentic Mediterranean cuisine located just off of Anderson and Tippecanoe and the 10 Freeway at 24711 Redlands Boulevard in Loma Linda. Call Najwa's Mediterranean Cuisine. You can order at 909-894-0488. 909-894-0488. Najwa's. Great local food nearby. Take it out all day long. Tune in to KCM Radio, the world's longest running show about data. Each week, Host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. again for the longest running show in the world about data it's called dm radio yes indeed your host here eric cavanaugh and folks i'm so excited to have an all-star cast today to talk about one of the more interesting developments in our marketplace called data exchanges so market makers why data exchanges matter we're going to be hearing from several experts including a couple analysts dick morell and sarjeet johal are dialed in and also Vlad Friedman from a company called Data Bank. But first of all, I'll just say a few quick words. Uh, I think data exchanges are a fantastic idea and they're really coming around now. There are quite a few of them out there. AWS has one, Snowflake has one, lots of companies are putting them together. And the idea is that you go to a depot essentially and take the data that you want. There are some companies doing really cool things with what's called alternative data. In fact, I talked to a CDO just the other day from a very, very large financial services company, and they're taking all kinds of alternative data from various sources, and they're using it to augment their own view of their customers such that their salespeople get all sorts of really relevant, germane 
real-time offers or neo real-time offers that they can offer out to their prospects and their clients. And it just makes the company look like it's really on the ball. It's paying attention to what people are doing in their lives. They're following what they call what uh, life event models, I think, like if you buy a house or you get married or major things happen, your children get married, something like that. Those are life events that are significant, but there are countless ways to use these data exchanges. And uh, healthcare is a big one. Financial services is a big one. Retail, obviously, just grabbing retail data on which colors are popular this month in this particular region, which styles are popular. You can buy all kinds of things, but then of course you have to figure out what to do with it and how to use it. And that's what we'll talk about today. And so first, dialing in all the way from across the pond, our good buddy Dick Morell is out there. Dick, tell us a bit about your take on data exchanges and why they matter. The last 36 months has really seen an explosion of how vendors are now starting to aggregate systems together, working very much hand in hand, very much like they have never done before. I'm seeing it very much in the insurance sector. Um, one of the one of the big use cases for data exchange in the UK is insurance, in the respect that now, not like a Formula One or a NASCAR, many smart cars and many new cars allow you to do things like t telemetrics to be able to look at, you know, acceleration, to look at car usage, to look at all the, the, the mylometer data, et cetera, et cetera. And to bring all of this data into complex data sets to be able to be shared across multiple insurance companies in a standard format so they can make better decisions about how they price their insurance policies. And before data exchange capabilities, this stuff was finger in the wind. And it's now starting to become a paradigm shift where we're able to do this very much in real time. Whereas before it was very much data that was archived to a, a single sole provider with the advent of things like AWS data exchanges, and they have something like 385, 400 different data sets available now that you can go and subscribe to. Businesses are really starting to, to, to tailor offerings around real-time data. And post-COVID, that's that's really good when it comes to working out how you're able to profit based on your usage of data, but also understanding understanding your real-time issues around how you govern that data, how you put the controls around the usage of that data. Will an insurance company own that data or does it just get access to that data? So we've got all of these use cases out there. And another one's IoT. We're getting into a zettabyte model where IoT devices are producing so much data. And the winners in the marketplace are going to be the organizations who can put that information into a ranked or profiled schema within a data exchange set to be able to be able to mine that data, to be able to build governance and rules around that so that we can understand the ownership the cost of ownership, but also how we start provisioning these devices better and the information that we get from consumer devices and also from in industry. It, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. And I, you know, I view it as um, a massive inversion or inflection point, at least, meaning historically, all the way up till just recently, we always focused on trying to understand our own data. And that in itself was a challenge, right? through data yep. warehouses and different kinds of CRM applications and all kinds of stuff that we use to know from our perspective on the inside of our organization, what do we know about our customers, our partners, et cetera, our prospects. But now to take that outside in view is a very different ball game. And you know, I would tend to think that I refer to it as real world data at scale. And if you get the right set, it can be more compelling, more powerful than your own internal data but at the very least, you want to try to reconcile those two worlds. What do you think, Dick? I think we're going to start to see ecosystems emerge where we're building value propositions around what we're going to be doing with this data. There are going to be some core standards which will continue to emerge beyond just the APIs that glue everything together, but also understanding as well what the cost of the ownership of these exchanges actually are. Because at the end of the day, Companies are making, there are companies out there making a very large amount of money. In the IoT space, there's a company I was working with last November, Dorex, who are really starting to understand asset management in the IoT space. To be able to build a business around identifying not just assets, but also the risks around assets, the profiling of assets in real time. So that when a company comes out with seven different types of firmware, 
They know about it instantly, not six months or 12 months later when stuff starts catching fire. And this makes technology easier to understand, easier to own, easier to abstract. And from a developer's perspective, we understand just what it is that we're actually being targeted with as, you know, as users of this technology. Mm. That's absolutely fascinating. How prevalent is this from what you see in the marketplace, Dick? Is this still very cutting edge? Is it only the sort of vanguards that are using this stuff or is it starting no, to hit no, the mainstream? Very much. I mean, one of the major uses of this technology in the UK is a, is a very large Red Hat customer, a company called LG Technologies. Um, they are part of the LG banking group who do spread betting. So they make their money. They're not a typical high street bank. They're an investment bank who make their money by people betting on everything from two flies on a wall through to a, you know, a, 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 a pool game or whatever. But they're, they're, they're dealing in billions of, billions of pounds per minute. And they need to be able to understand all the risks and telemetrics around everything that's in play from multiple different betting companies. So they might be working with nine or 10 or 12 different betting companies, but they need to have all those data sets in there to be able to exchange that data very quickly to make very calculated, fast decisions. So this isn't new. However, what AWS are doing is by taking the power of things like S3 and the fact that they can do this in a very elastic manner and to be able to democratize it so that smaller organizations can plug in to be able to buy catalog data sets to be able to use this themselves. It's not just about the big boys anymore. The market is being opened up to the majority. Mm. That's amazing. And, and I think that you're right. You're, we're going to see some ecosystems develop around this and best practices and consulting firms that specialize in this space because you, you really do need to have some pretty sharp people to piece it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply all together and make it meaningful for your particular enterprise, right? Well, Oracle already jumped on it. I mean, I, I went to a presentation September, October last year before all this madness started with coronavirus. And they are jumping again on the insurance bandwagon because they've got all these insurance companies who traditionally are Oracle customers paying a huge amount of money for, you know, Oracle and Oracle Cloud, whatever that is. And um, being able to understand how Data exchanges are changing the way that we do business. Now, if if insurers can grab grab hold of this, what's to stop pharmaceutical companies who are traditionally having to buy in data that's old, that's archived, that might be two to three years out of date, there might be a research project from Duke or Purdue. Instead, instead of having that as, as, as research data, it's live data. They can actually right. model stuff on live abstract data, and that's hugely right. valuable. Well, and I think to myself around healthcare, population health, for example, if you get some really good public data, obviously anonymized on population health over a fairly short period of time, hospitals, doctors, clinics, all these folks can really tailor what they're offering to the situation in their environment because they'll find out, well, we have this kind of disease because guess what? We have these behavioral patterns of maybe it's drinking in you know, New Orleans or something something obvious, but the point is you'll be able to identify what's happening and become significantly more relevant for your population, right? But sure, but there, there, there is an, uh, there's an added risk to this. My concern is that what we start to see emerge are what I would call brokerages, data brokers. And how do we police those data brokers? Because right now it's the Wild West, there are no standards, this is still emerging. So I think as much as data exchange is hugely important and the APIs and all the abstract that goes around that, we need to be very cautious about what data is actually going in and the quality of the data. Mm. No, that's exactly right. Well, let's bring in our second guest, Sarbjeet Johal, also an independent analyst tracking the space and 
we're on Twitter all the time chatting about different subjects like cloud and edge and so forth. But to me, these data exchanges represent a very significant transformation in how we're leveraging information assets, Sarbjeet. And uh, one of the, the critical success factors is the infrastructure to meet those needs, right? Can you tell us a bit about that? And, and what do you think about data exchanges? Yeah, I think uh, with the advent of new technology, the data exchanges are improving all the time, right? With the REST API, the APIification of uh, our data, I usually call it. Like if you want to democratize the data, you want to think about API first development, right? So, um, and, and there, there's so many other things which I will go into briefly, but my first uh, uh, data sort of, um, interaction was uh, during my um, PhD program when I was doing analysis on uh, on the population and the market. Like there was secondary data and then primary data. Primary data was the census data, secondary data was data. We will do a survey from the field and get that data and then put that into the computers back then and then and do the analysis. Um, those those things are still prevalent, like mer getting the data from different sources and merging it together. Um, you 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 actually mentioned the, the healthcare use case, which was my last project actually did on East Coast um, with the healthcare company. Uh, they actually work with the with at risk population, uh, people who are homeless or uh, low income um, people. They cover them right uh, through the state covered programs and stuff like that. And what they what this started doing was that their CDO, when we sat down with them, uh, they wanted to do the digital transformation and all that stuff, right? So like we came in and we we were uh, trying to give them uh, the latest on the technology, lowdown on the technology, what are the possibilities and all that stuff. So they were already planning to get the, the weather data um, and you know when it will like, rain heavily in certain areas, so they can prepare the beds for those people in certain areas and stuff like that. So which they never looked at earlier. So and and then some some data from um, they they call it social determinant data, right? So social determinant for people, right? You can find the population's social determinant. Like who are the people moving in this area? And another example I can give you is uh, which I didn't work on, but I. I have the proximity to that problem, if you will, um, or that, that project was uh, LA is, uh, has been using, in LA, police has been using predictive analysis, uh, like crime prediction and stuff like that, using the data. Like it, it's all based on data exchanges. Um, another example I can, I can give you is uh, uh, my, my first full-time job, which was with Visa International. And it, all the transactions we, when we spend money on a credit card, it settles at night when, it, when it's not the same bank. If it's the same bank, it settles quickly. But cross bank, um, like when your issuer is different than the, the merchant's uh, bank, then um, they settle that at night. You know? So that data exchanges happen in batch mode still. So data exchanges happen all the time. And another thing I want to highlight for all the viewers, I know the viewers um, uh, or the listeners of the program, are, they vary in um, all kinds, of, they have different sort of personas, um, is that we have to look at the data uh, in a, in a diff through the different lens now. Our voice is data now, our videos are data. Mm. So um, we, we can't, uh, pictures are data. So we can't just say that the, the, the ASCII format is data, the numbers are data or the text is data. So we have, we have been expanding the data sets for the digitization of videos and audio and, and whatnot, you know? So um, your, your, your CAD designs are data, right? Our facial recognition is data. Like those are some coordinates of your, how far your nose is from your eyes and stuff like that. It's all data, right? So um, yeah. That's uh, um, it, the exchange of data is very important. Actually, um, uh, the from my past experience, like uh, I know how cumbersome it can be without having standards in place. The data exchanges are are kind of mess, a big mess. Mm -hmm. uh, we had EDI, and we tried to replace that with XML, and then uh, in the e-commerce area, like we came with XCBL at Commerce One. I used to work at that company. Um, um, 
it was a B2B darling during dot-com days. And then after that, Rosetta Net Standard came in. We were all, we are all over the place. So we usually say if there are more than one standards, there's no standard, right? right. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's tough actually. I, I, the, the best forms of standards are like regional, I would call it. Like, you know, we have some like within US, we have certain standards we follow on the, on the format of data, for example, right? So when you look at an invoice, for example, when we transmit the invoice from one party to another, B2B I'm talking about this time. So there are certain fields they need to be in there. But when you go internationally, then you need performa invoice and because of the custom duties and this and that, things become pretty complicated pretty soon. So the international data exchanges are pretty hard. And with the with the with with this this fight we have picked with with Europe now, with the data exchanges and all that stuff, right? It's just a mess. Uh, I know uh, Dick was going to cover that, but we don't have enough time to cover those. No. Like how yeah. we do do we data exchanges um, uh, and and keep the privacy of uh, different you know citizens of different countries within that country, and that data should sit there. It's, it's a big problem. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very serious issue, and I think it's going to be playing out in the next couple of years as we see the government agencies step in and start slapping people with big fines and. Uh, Here's a tip, folks. We're going to see more of those because guess what? All of these government economies are really suffering now. Why? Because of that thing called the coronavirus. So when the tax revenue doesn't come through and they got to pay the bills, I promise you they're going to be looking at ways to find large organizations like, I don't know, Google, Facebook, whoever else they can throw their uh, their darts at and, uh, and get some money. But it is an important issue and it does need to be respected. Well, folks, don't touch that down. We'll be right back. You are listening to DM Radio. Harrison's Reality Check. If you know someone with a drug and alcohol problem that's sitting a little too close to home, there's help in a moment. Corona Alert. Soon your smartwatch or smart ring might tell you if you have COVID-19. New wearable devices with sensors that continuously gather your temperature, heart rate, and blood oxygen will become personal warning systems. Even special patches will transmit. So much for any attempt not to be endlessly surveilled. Harrison's Reality Check. GoHarrison.com. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 800-296-1327. 800-296-1327. That's that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. It's our biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Just two weeks after the city of Lake Charles, Louisiana, voted to keep a Confederate monument standing, Hurricane Laura brought it down with 150 mile per hour winds as it made landfall along the state's coast. The Daily Advertiser reports that the statue, the South's Defenders Monument, was the subject of a contentious debate which ended in a vote on August 13th. The Calcasio Parish Police Jury ultimately voted 10-4 to keep the statue in place even as a national reckoning sparked by police killings of black Americans including George Floyd and Breonna Taylor pushed other states and municipalities to take down their Confederate monuments and statues. While the South's Defenders Monument was expected to stay in front of a Lake Charles courthouse, Hurricane Laura toppled the statue after making landfall as one of the strongest storms to hit Louisiana on record. Wow! 
So you mean the hurricane got it right? Mother Nature knows we need to get rid of the garbage. I hope we as human beings can come to an understanding versus waiting on nature. I'm Darian Sims, and this is how I see it. If you run a large corporation, small business, or anything in between, you need ads to help get the word out. A full page in the newspaper sounds good. A TV spot sounds even better. But let's face it, newspapers are essentially last-minute wrapping paper, and a TV spot is just expensive and basically code for bathroom break. Talk radio is different. Commercials cost practically nothing to produce, and the listeners are loyal. They like what they like, and they stay tuned in. When they hear about a new product or service during their favorite show, they can't wait to try it out for themselves so they can talk about it with their friends. And you know how radio listeners like to talk. If you want to add radio to your marketing portfolio, you need the Gab Radio Network. Gab Radio is the team of full-service experts you've been looking for, from writing to production, distribution, voiceover, and more. We make sure your spots are paired with the right shows in the right markets at the right time of day so the right people can hear. Since we're in over 100 markets across 34 states, Canada, and American Samoa, I'd say it's a pretty good place to start. If you want to know more, just email sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Welcome back once again to DM Radio. We're talking all things data exchanges today. Several guests. We talked to Dick Morrell and Sarjeet Johal in the opening segment. And next up, we have Vlad Friedman from a company called Data Bank. Vlad, first of all, tell us a bit about yourself and Data Bank, and then uh, what you see happening in this whole wild world of data exchanges. Okay, sure. So I'm the CTO here at Data Bank, and we're a national data center and infrastructure platform with 19 data centers across nine markets. And our focus is really on the cloud, on the cloud content and enterprise uh, organizations looking to deploy their infrastructure closest to the edge. So why is the edge so important when we talk about data exchanges? Well, there's a construct that we talk about all the time called data gravity, right? And while it's great to have a centralized exchange where you can push all of your data in, into, at the end of the day, milliseconds matter in the customer experience. So our vision is that these data exchanges and infrastructure that interacts with customers needs to be deployed as close as possible to the end consumer, but far enough away where you can get enough density with the data to have it really make a difference. So with data exchanges, one of the things that actually very often aren't talked about are the cost of operations. And as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As you move into public cloud infrastructure, one of the things that you wind up running into as you're moving huge volumes of data into and out of the environment is trying to find ways to make sure that you don't get overwhelmed by the stream of data that's kind of coming out of your environment. So we look for ways to try to deploy infrastructure as close as possible to that end user so that compute can happen very quickly 
um, in the right amount of density where we can have get value out of the data and then return that response to the end users um, in, a, in a meaningful way. I think the, the second part that's pretty important, and I think Dick, you mentioned it, is the security and governance component. And a lot of people um, don't actually think about the implications of taking on all of this data. So I think it's really important to think about as you become a, you know, let's say a business associate in the construct of healthcare data and you're bringing PHI into your systems, you have to make sure that you're doing all the right things to actually protect that information that you aggregate and process in your systems or you potentially have real liability. Um, you know, if your data that you have taken on from someone else happens to be um, compromised in some way. So those are areas where we tell folks to really think about the processing of your data and where centralized exchanges are great, very oftentimes regional exchanges cause better experience. Mm. And then making sure that you bring the right expertise um, and teams to the table to not just collect the data, not just process the data, but actually protect that data while it's in your custody. Mm. Wow. Yeah, lots of re regulatory concerns spinning all around that. And uh, I think for, though for, the, for the near term, it's probably going to remain the Wild West here in the state, just because I don't really see our, uh, our Congress people getting together and passing something meaningful. So I think for the time being, it's kind of the Wild West. And in that world, I think businesses need to focus on uh, a near term value soon with the understanding that they have to be able to provision this stuff. And of course, you're kind of a hardware expert and you know the edge is such a hot topic these days. And I think for many of these use cases, you are gonna be at the edge for there to be value from these things because of the time it takes to get the data, to use the data in a meaningful way. Timing is everything these days, right, Blaine? Absolutely. And in a lot of cases, um, you know, I think both as Sergey and Dick mentioned, you need to, there's such a huge volume of data that's, you know, incoming, whether it be IOT, whether it be telemetrics, or whether it be automotive, trying to go and ingest, you know, I happen to have a Tesla, right? And I, I'm told it generates a terabyte of data per day. How do you take all of those cars all around the country and ingest all of that into a centralized repository? There's going to be a lot of these use cases where you actually have to go and pre-process that data extract the meaningful value from that data, call it at the edge, and just send the usable information back to the centralized repository to really gain value and knowledge from that. So that's where we see the edge as being so important is because at some point, there's only so much you can process in one centralized place without it starting to become unmanageable. And we're seeing transformation around how people are doing their data management and you know, um, containerizing their applications and workloads and analytics platforms so they can actually deploy and ingest data from tens of thousands of locations where they then aggregate that into centralized databases yeah it's it's just such a fascinating time to to be in the data world now as we were talking at the at the outset of the show here we used to have this very internally focused program of trying to understand the data that came into our organization from our prospects from our crm systems etc now you can get this whole outside in view of the world which in my opinion if you of course get the right data set is much more comprehensive and much uh, I don't know, I would guess I'd say cleaner maybe. I wonder, do, do you think that there are gonna be use cases beyond the immediate needs to understand something about this person or that person or this market or that market? Is there going to be an attempt to reconcile what I have internally with what I can sense externally about my own business or is that just gonna be swept under the rug and, and we move on to focusing outward more? Um, you know, we're certainly seeing that more and more with data sharing going on between organizations. And, but again, one of the biggest challenges that you run into, again, is this data gravity problem. How do I move such meaningful volumes of data back and forth in an efficient manner so that I can actually aggregate my data sets and create meaningful information from them? Because if my databases are dispersed and I have something in Salesforce and something in AWS and something else running out of Oracle, putting all those data sets together actually creates some complexity. So I typically advise folks, you know, try not to mix and match all of your um, vendors where you're aggregating your data because you're creating artificial complexity, latency, and making the process a lot more difficult. Um, but I think it's going to become part of our world, right? Everybody is tagged. Every device is tagged. 
And as you start to like do those analytics and using artificial intelligence to actually um, get true insight into what's going on with, you know, with consumer behavior. I mean, it's, it's profound what we're seeing within our four walls with some of our enterprise and cloud and content providers actually aggregating data using artificial intelligence to try to predict behavior uh, for marketing to, you know, evaluating, um, you know, COVID and, you know, COVID uh, testing in the marketplace. I mean, we have one of our data centers where uh, we're aggregating all of uh, COVID information and running all of that through a super supercomputer, one of our customers is to try to actually derive what are outcomes that are working, what are outcomes that aren't working. Um, and it's that data sharing that's making all of that possible. Yeah, that's just amazing. It, it really is. It's fascinating. And just to kind of share for our audience out there, there's a term called covariance in the analytics world, the predictive analytics world in particular, where you can base a prediction upon certain factors that you see are the case. So you could look at weather being hot. Well, odds are someone's going to buy more ice cream if it's hotter than it is cold, for example. That's a very simple, uh, simple one. But the point is with all this alternative data now, there are countless sources that you can use location data being, I think, front and center among them. What do you think, Vlad? Is location data like right near the top where I am with my phone right now, walking around, what permissions I've given, that kind of thing? Is that a, a heavy use case for, uh, for alternative data, in your opinion? Um, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, obviously it depends upon the, the specific application, um, but in, in e-commerce, certainly uh, we see that quite a bit. In um, you know, fraud detection, we'll see that quite a bit. Um, healthcare, we're generally seeing that more kind of aggregated into centralized locations. Um, in automotive, you know, we're seeing processing at the edge with you know, the important information then going into central repositories. But it, you know, these organizations are tracking what you do, where you are, because it has a tendency to kind of give insight into your behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, how much of this is going to be ephemeral versus persistent? I get the feeling that a lot of this alternative data, its use is going to be rather ephemeral. Is that what you think? I, I, I agree, especially on the edge, on the edge cases, right? You're going to have a small amount of data processing. You're going to get an insight. You're going to ship off the insight. And then that, you know, source data is really going to go away. Um, otherwise, you just wind up with such a profound data storage problem. We haven't seen anyone been able, you know, really be able to tackle that in a way that's affordable. Yeah, and I guess I'll bring uh, Dick Morell back in to comment on this. Dick, I think the one area where that might not be the case, I'm pretty sure about this, but I don't know where it stands, is in using that ephemeral data to update the profile that a company has about an individual. So even if they may not track all the, the, the transactions and persist all that stuff, at least it'll be updating their profile of you. What do you think about that? I think one of the issues we've got around privacy around these data exchange sets is the, the, the right for the user to be forgotten, for the right for the user to be able to cessate the collection of that data. And I think that's critical in the mix here. The user has got to have the ability to be able to turn off the data collection. Um, I think the fact of the matter is if, if companies can make better decisions about what they're offering us as a, as a banking service, as an insurance service, as a brokerage service, whether they're selling us an insurance policy for our house, for our car, if they can make better decisions for us and offer us better value for money, I think as consumers, we have to embrace that. But I think as organizations, we need to be very, very aware that sanitization of data and end of life data policies really become critical in how we think about building this. And one of the problems we're going to have is that a lot of the bigger organizations, the Microsofts of this world, et cetera, have really been left behind because their traditional development environments, the .NET environments, which are built, you know, a lot of it's based around Java. They don't have the, the speed of response they need to deal with these hierarchical data formats. XML as a standard is one thing, but the problem is this is a web 2.0. This is not going to be driven by the traditional vendors. This is going to be driven by the cloud-based vendors who can build that compute model so that when we start talking about data being collected from smartphones or data being collected from smart meters in a house or from an IoT-enabled device or from a smart car, that amount of data, that huge amount of data, what's to stop one organization, Big Brother, understanding everything from what we've had for our breakfast cereal, what time we turned down our, our, our Nest thermometer, uh, thermostat, et cetera, et cetera. Where does, the, where, where does the line stand? What, 
is there a line in the sand that we have to say no enough there are no standards right now apart from in the UK, in the eu you've got gdpr um in the states there are a multiple governance standards around private health care and, and your finance information where do we stand as as consumers when it comes to understanding what data is held on us we can't put a freedom of information request in because who do we give it to all right no it's a good who point do we and, give it to? and sorry i'll bring you back in uh, i've got a couple minutes before the next break you know one area i guarantee where there's all this data being collected because the companies are very open about it is uh, car insurance, right? All these different car insurance companies, they allow you to download the app and that tracks how fast you move, if you're speeding, how many quick stops you have, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's a tremendous amount of very personal data, where you're going, what you're doing, all that kind of stuff. So that's one treasure trove of information that's being used right now, right, Sarpji? Yeah, it is actually, uh, we are being tracked if we, like, I don't know if you know that or not, like we have been tracked um, through our credit cards earlier but now with our the most uh you know personal device we have on us is the, our, our uh, smartphones and they're, they're tra tracking us google is tracking us all the time and they know which which store we go to and where is our where is our home and what time we go to sleep and all that and some apps are doing it um, um in a fishy way it means like that we don't know they're collecting the data and some are uh it's more obvious because they're more prevalent and in news and all that stuff. Yeah. And in, in this case, actually insurance companies are giving you some value back means that if you drive less, we will, we will give you break on price and, or if you drive safely or within the speed limits and all that stuff, then you get better pricing. If you're a reckless driver, then uh, you are um, punished uh, on the pricing. Wow. Um, I think people are willing to exchange their data for some value. And the problem is that, um, that people don't, most of people don't know what that value is. And we can't put a number on that. You know, like if I give this much data, I get that much value. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a wild, wild west. And in, in the absence of uh, regulations, most of the tech companies are doing what we call self-regulation. It's a, um, a term we use and it varies from company to company it, it's, it depends upon the company culture the leader you know what facebook is doing and what mark zuckerberg you know is like all oh, the, the you know first amendment this that you know and then twitter is saying okay we're going to label the, these tweets from president as you know um uh, you know, they, they're edgy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And Mark said, "No, no, no, it's freedom of speech." And it, it it's all over the place, actually. Um, it, it's uh, I, I think I think we need national and international bodies uh, stepping up. I Means the regulators, actually. I mean to say, stepping yeah. up to the plate and and setting some standards. Yeah. yeah, I think you're I think you're right about that, and I'm not sure how well it's going to work. So we've got the W3C, and you know those folks have done a lot of work over the years, but it it always seems to be kind of at the edge, not the edge that we were talking about, but kind of the fringe and people sort of adopt some of these rules and sort of don't and it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, I think you're right that we do need to start looking at this and in terms that the average person can understand. And that's always the hardest part with policy. But uh, don't touch that dial, folks. We'll be right back. You're listening to DM Radio. Guys, by now you've heard the great news. If you wanted to try Viagra or Cialis, but were worried about the price, U.S. Pharmacy can finally give you the results you've been looking for. Why pay almost $15 per pill when you get the same results you need for less than $2? That's right. Call today and receive 66 blue pills or 66 yellow pills for only $99 plus shipping. That's less than $2 per pill and saves you hundreds from your local pharmacy. Why wait? Call 877 501 5802 today and finally have those moments you've been looking for again and again. Call 877-501-5802 right now and we'll rush your order. Discreetly packaged to your door. Just call 877-501-5802. That's 877-501-5802. Call 877-501-5802. Are you looking to promote healthy lung function? Quantum Nutrition Labs has exciting news. Our lung support is back and it's better than ever. This comprehensive botanical formula featuring bromelain, 
N-acetyl-L-cysteine and organic cranberry is designed for optimal lung support. For a limited time, buy two bottles and get the third one free. Call 1-800-370-3447 or visit us online at qnlabs.com. That's 1-800-370-3447 or visit qnlabs.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD, host of Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. Here's today's top automotive tech story. I'm Nick Miles. Ford Motor Company and Volkswagen AG have signed agreements that expand their global alliance to meet rapidly evolving needs of their respective customers in Europe and other regions by leveraging complementary strengths in mid-size pickup trucks, commercial and electric vehicles. The alliance will produce a medium pickup truck engineered and built by Ford for sale by Volkswagen as the Amarok. For more automotive tech news, go to testmiles.com. The all-new Highlander comes equipped with five USB ports, perfect for fully charging everyone's smartphone. No phone is dying on your watch. That's how you go Highlander. Toyota, let's go places. May not be compatible with all mobile phones, MP3, WMA players, and like models. You're listening to Global American Broadcasting, the Gab Radio Network. For more info on our programs and services, including technical operations, Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio, talking all about data exchanges. Got some background noise there. It's all right. And uh, yeah, privacy. What is privacy anymore? I mean, you could argue that. Uh, you could argue that, in fact, my Samsung just said, I need your consent, do you? Uh, leave me alone, Samsung. I'm on a radio show. Um, but, uh, privacy has always been a bit of a myth, I think. Um, you know, There are rules around it, obviously. People get in trouble. But increasingly, we seem to have these fairly uh, heavy-handed rules and regulations around privacy that rarely get implemented. And when they do, it's uh, in a fairly severe fashion, which is probably not the fairest thing in the world. But uh, it is a very interesting debate, and there are people very passionate about this stuff. But you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that every time you hop online, you're kind of throwing your privacy out the window, at least to a certain degree. But uh, Vlad Friedman from DataBank, what do you think about all that? Well, I, I I think it's an interesting argument. You know, Sarjeev is saying, you know, a lot of folks are willing to exchange your privacy in exchange for some type of value, and I think we all, as consumers, every day that we're on the internet. Um, are kind of complicit in giving away our information. Every day you get onto a new website and says, click here to accept, click here to accept these terms or those terms, or I've read through the privacy policy. And I really don't know anyone who does. And part of that is, you know, they, all of these service providers understand that. And while we may not be able to figure out what value we have to the organization, you better believe that they have ascribed a value to each single reader or consumer of their service. So they may deliver a marginal amount of value um, back to us, but they take that information and derive tremendous value from it. So it's just something that you have to be mindful of. I don't know if regulation is always the answer um, to that, but I think it's being a little bit more mindful about how your data is shared, what services you're consuming, are you actually okay that you're being tracked every minute of every day in your, you know, what you read in your email, where your cell phone is, and just being mindful of, are you deriving enough value from that to actually share that information? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on your phone, of course, you could turn off location sharing and turn off various things. It just, it gets a bit tedious, I think, to manage all that. And so most people just say, turn it on or leave it on or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, that the profile that the big companies have on us now is really granular. And uh, you could argue that's good in that they understand us and they're not gonna waste our time with ads, but uh -huh, I'm just kidding. Of course, they're gonna waste our time with ads. <laughs> Dick, what do you think about all that? <laughs> I, think, I think one of the th things is, I, I, you know, I, 
I'm obviously at the other side of the pond in, I'm not sure if I am in Europe anymore post-Brexit. I have to be careful. Right? I think <laughs> I've got right. one toe in Europe and nine toes outside of Europe. But in July this year, the the data, what was it called? The data privacy shield, the agreement between the EU and the US was 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 deemed invalid in the respect that transfer of data from US EU citizens to the US is now essentially a gray area, although it's still continuing. So what happens when a nation state or a group of nation states under the under, under the EU stamp their feet and say, no, we will prevent the likes of Snowflake or the likes of Dell or the likes of whoever collecting this data? Does that mean, therefore, that we're only dealing with nation-specific data? And then you've got the risk of, of, of leaks. I mean, in Pakistan, in... in um, March, April this year, there was the leak of the patient zero information, the first patient to come into Pakistan. That was from a data exchange. That mm -hmm. wasn't from a hospital. That was from private patient data that was leaked. So it's understanding how those security controls sanitize data, anonymize data. Because at the end of the day, data has a value, whether it's a data set of one, zero, whatever. If we, we, we have to be very critical about understanding our roles and responsibilities as owners of that data. Yeah, that's a really good point. Sarbjeet, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'll, I'll talk about a little different aspect of data. I think that soon in, in next few months or years, um, years to come, actually, we'll talk about the data inequality. Like I know we talk about income inequality in masses, but in, in, on the business side is data poor and data rich companies, right? The smaller smaller businesses are being crushed by big guys. Like big guys know all about our spending patterns, what we buy, what, what, like how we live and how much money we make and they know everything, right? And the small businesses are being crushed um, because they don't have access to that data, right? So I think uh, that, that will be a huge debate going forward. And another thing I, I think on that sort of same note is that, that I see data as a, as a currency, as a, as in, you know, like you, you have money and, and, and like we used to have money notes, right? <laughs> like we used to spend that, right? Before we went digital and all that stuff. So it, it's like that currency, like more you have, the more richer you are actually. And, and, and the currency is useless if it doesn't go into circulation, you know, within a big company, if the divisions of the company are not, if the, if the currency doesn't change hands in a country, for example, their GDP is like low, like, because, you know, it's just sitting and wherever it is, right? Um, so the data has to move around to produce value. And com countries, nations, and or companies who know that, who understand that, they will win. They will win actually the business war, they will win the political wars, they will win yeah, the, but I th the, I the think, day. I, I think also there's another problem you've identified that, and that is that what happens when a company, say like a credit card company, we won't name them on air, but if a credit card company buys a data set, who in that credit card company gets access to what access to, to what data is actually brought in, a company name, a consumer name, a uh, inventory, whatever it is. Different people in that organization with different privilege levels will get access to different levels of data. So yeah. it's up to internal internal security controls within companies buying data from data exchanges to be able to put those rollback controls in there, to put all of the usage stuff around there so that we can start protecting this data and also get maximum use of what we're buying from these, these exchanges. Hmm. Yeah, I think the traditional companies, the credit card companies, they're, they're highly regulated. That means they're very careful about that because I used to work at Visa. I know that like we were like, like our hands were like this. And if there was a credit card data on any of the servers or the, or the workstations, it was found like there was a big fine from, from the authorities that we had to pay. So they are highly regulated. The problem is with the new, newer vendors like uh, the, the new breed of vendors and, and they write on their walls, like move fast and break rules. You know how that <laughs> is, right? But I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna challenge you on that one because it was an Amazon employee who hacked Capital One and got 109 million sets of their customer account details from a data exchange. Because they, I think they left that was a year ago. Bucket. That was a year ago. 109 no, million customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so many stories around S3 buckets left. Uh, 
open or right. public. Or, yeah. Well, you, you, made a, you made a really good point there at, uh, at the end there, and maybe we can do this for the podcast bonus segment too in a, in a second here. But uh, Sarjeet, you really reminded me of something that uh, I think is a massive, I mean, absolutely gobsmacking straw in the wind. And for those who don't know the expression, straw in the wind means you see a straw flying by, it means there's a tornado coming, right? So straw in the wind is kind of a big deal. But it's Uber and their whole policy of how they just rolled right into cities and just started operating wherever they wanted to and just didn't care. It was the classic case of uh, it's better to beg forgiveness than ask permission. And they just came rolling in and it became clear to me at a certain point that they just said, we're going to allocate a big pile of money for lawsuits and probably, just to be blunt, uh, let's call it payoffs or enticements for, uh, for certain politicians. And they said, screw it. We're just going to do this and force you to challenge us. And that's exactly what they did. And there are some places like France fought back and a couple of places, but by and large, it worked like a charm. And it's a bit of a um, of uh, an unsettling thing to to absorb and to look at. What do you think about that, Sarji? Yeah, I think it's a huge problem, actually. The it, it's I think with the, as we progress in this digital age, I think the people who have more money they're they're becoming more richer because mm-hmm. they can throw systems at the problem, they can throw automation at the problem. The poor nations or poor um, regions they throw bodies at the problem and. And that's a huge problem, I think. And and these companies, MNCs, actually, um, I, I usually talk about it. It's a very philosophy kind of talk that that na- these MNCs don't have any loyalty to any nation state. They don't. The only loyalty they have is to their shareholders, right? And they are international. And and the money, if you think deep, the money is international, right? The money has like this one. It's in a one pond. But our economies are localized. Like I have to spend a dollar to buy a loaf of bread and few rupees in India to buy the same kind of bread for one twentieth of the cost, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the standard of living is different in different countries. And that's where the disconnect is happening. I think I think the 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 poorer people in every nation, country, everywhere are being squeezed um uh, out of their like they're, they're getting paid less, like the Uber drivers are making less money and they are not insured. They are not employees. And there's a lawsuit in California. Actually, they were, both Uber and, uh, and Lyft were going to shut down last week or two weeks back because of that lawsuit. But they gave them a little permission to continue till they settled down that you know case. Wow. They were going to just stall operating here, even in California. And they started here, right? So and people are challenging them and rightly so. It's a, it, it uh, it actually all this sharing economy and all that stuff it, it challenges our social constructs yes. uh, social economic constructs like we rely on heavily for you know, yeah. hundreds of years yeah no that that's exactly right and we can maybe pick that up uh, for another whole show frankly or certainly for the podcast bonus segment but folks i always say we want to know what you want to know send me an email info at dmradio.biz hop online to dmradio.biz to find out all the upcoming shows uh, we do have some open slots we have a lot of interest obviously but uh we want to get new voices, new new faces on the Zoom. And uh, the podcast bonus segment's coming up next. Go to dmradio.biz to catch those segments, folks. Uh, you've been listening to DM Radio. KCAA Radio has openings for one-hour talk shows. If you want to host a radio show, now is the time. Make KCAA your flagship station. Our rates are affordable and our services are second to none. We broadcast on three terrestrial frequencies to a population of 5 million people. Plus, we stream and podcast on all major online audio and video systems. If you've been thinking about broadcasting a weekly radio program on real radio plus the Internet, contact our CEO at 281 9-9-9-800-281-599-9800. You can Skype your show from your home to our Redlands, California studio where our live producers and engineers are ready to work with you personally. A radio program on KCAA is the perfect work-from-home avocation in these stressful times. Just type kcaaradio.com into your browser to learn more about hosting a show on the best station in the nation or call our CEO for details, 281-599-9800. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.